I'm Jasmine. And I'm Erica. And this is Church Days, a call and response to Christianity and the culture. Hey, ladies, welcome back. How are you guys doing? Hello there. Uh, <laughs> that's all I got. <laughs> you tired? Yeah, do. Listen, life is tiring. So I am tired. That's fair. Yeah. Cool. So what do you what do you tutor? Uh SAT, ACT prep, which is interesting. So Melina asked that because we're recording after I'm tutoring. Um, it's an interesting <laughs> place to be because, you know, during the pandemic, a lot of colleges stopped requiring it. Um, but some students still decide to take it. Also, research has shown that neither one of those tests predicts how well you're going to do in college. So also, what's the point? But Money. I mean, yes, because listen, um, the test Money, prep business honey. is... A whole industry it's quite lucrative yeah so yeah i'm gonna try to get into it i mean you should <laughs> i mean if, listen if these parents are gonna be paying <laughs> i'm gonna do my job and i still i still tell these students like listen you don't you should look and see if the colleges you're interested in actually require it because a lot of um, them are moving away oh, from it now because really? of the pandemic yeah. right oh i yeah. didn't know that okay yeah and I mean, the pandemic is an excuse, but again, it's been shown it doesn't predict how well you do in college. It really doesn't. Yeah. And I also tell them that too, because I think that can be like, okay, yeah, absolutely do well, try your best, but know that if you just aren't a great test taker or you just don't do great on this test, because literally it's like one moment in time, mm-hmm. that doesn't mean it's not a predictor for how you're going to do in college. GPA, high school GPA is a better predictor because it shows your progress over time so mm-hmm. there's that mm-hmm. thank you our um academia <laughs> <laughs> you know you know so what that's to do. my advice to all college students if you don't have to take any you're not a good test taker just don't however if your grades are not that great then you may might want to take the test i want to help it, even that yeah. joke out exactly so <laughs> you know i liked tests so i loved taking the sat and act i didn't There's like so the much pressure around it it's yeah, a lot of pressure. it's a lot, but the GRE I thought was stupid. I probably would have hated any other higher level situation, but the SAT was like, the yeah. Gym. But I'm also a huge nerd who likes tests. So, and once you figure out the formula, because there is a way to take these tests, and I oh, think yeah. that's the thing. Like once oh, yeah. you know the strategies, it's not so intimidating. It's not at all. I took it cold. <laughs> Oh so yeah, these things. I knew the strategies, and I went in there, and I'm like, "It's not A, B, or D, so it must be C." Easy. I'm like, I don't know this. Thing. I don't know this information, but I know it's not none of these. And if that gets you to the right answer, they don't need to actually know that you know the information. They no. need you to choose the right answer. And that's choose the right what answer. I do often. <laughs> Process of elimination. It was the best. oh that was a nice little stroll down memory lane reminiscing on SAT such a long time ago um let's take another stroll down memory lane maybe not so far ago um yeah we're not gonna age ourselves even though some spring chicken yeah I mean (laughs) not a spring chicken but I'm also not a winter chicken that's true (laughs) somewhere in the summertime early summer chicken 
late May around Memorial Day. <laughs> How do we get here? How I don't do know. We Sorry, here? we're back. We're back. Oh. Back to the. But yes, back to taking it back. <laughs> but yes, so uh, another stroll down memory lane. Um, this episode is kind of going to be a, a throwback episode where we um, throw it back to you. Technically, the first episode we ever recorded that um we plan to release at this time so um if you may recall a year ago all of us or most of us were in quarantine um and lockdown because covid um was here in full force and not only that but at the same time significant racial unrest so we felt like this, I mean, this was before we had launched the podcast, but we felt like we just have to record our thoughts and feelings um, in the moment because there were lots of thoughts and feelings to to be had um, to be able to release it a year later um, to reflect back on it. So this is actually going to be a two part episode. So this week you'll get the the throwback, and then next week we're going to come back a year later and share our thoughts about how far or not far um we've come in a year who knows what we'll say (laughs) i I decay i don't know Um, (laughs) but in the meantime take a listen to our conversation um almost a year ago today So today is July 2nd, 2020. We are currently in, what is this, month three or four of a global pandemic, um, COVID-19, that has been happening and keeping most of us in our homes. Um, So that already has that level of stress, right? And then that is followed up by kind of a series of racial incidents. We had um, the resurfacing of the Ahmad Arbery incident who was hunted um, by a white father and son who assumed that he wasn't supposed to be there. Mr. Arbery was jogging through a neighborhood. These men hunted him down and murdered him. Um, after that new surface of Breonna Taylor, um, who was a Black woman who the police broke into her home serving a warrant and was not for her um, and ended up shooting her while she was sleeping. Then after that, um, it seems like these things happen like literally on top of each other. Um, After that, there was an incident in New York Central Park. Thankfully, this incident didn't end in somebody dying, but a white woman, Amy Cooper, um, basically called the police on a black man, Christian Cooper, who was bird watching in Central Park and asked her to leash her dog, which was the rules in that park, um, in that area of the park. And feeling indignant, she called the police and saying that there was a, an African-American man um, that was threatening her and her dog. Um, Mr. Cooper was filming the incident and that was clearly not the case. Um, and then literally, I think it might have been like the day after or within two days, the news of George Floyd um, being murdered at the hands of police with the knee to the neck came out. So it's been a lot happening, not only in the world, but in 
our country. So just wanted to start this by just saying, like, what is it like for y'all right now? Just kind of living in this time with all of this going on. Um, and I can say for me, it's been super overwhelming. Um, so y'all know that I'm in education. So having all my students have to transition to online learning um, and trying to support them in, in their various spaces, some of them not having reliable access to um, the internet to be able to, to complete their classes or just the anxiety of everything that's going on in the pandemic being isolated from from people, just their whole routine just being um, broken up, and then seeing, you know, just person after person um, being murdered, whether it is the hands of police abuse or the hands of um, white vigilantes who just saw a Black person and thought that they need not exist. They were not where they are supposed to be and they need not exist. So it's been super overwhelming for me. Um, I've thought a lot about my black students. I thought a lot about my two black nephews and wondering like when's the age when people are going to see them as a threat. So I've gone to being like, okay, cause I know still got to function and like do work and things to like just being in tears um, some days and kind of vacillating back and forth between um, emotions. So what's it been like for, for you all and how you all have been experiencing this? I would say for me, um, I work in healthcare. Um, I'm a medical provider, as y'all know, and I work in family medicine and um, at an outpatient clinic. And it's been interesting, um, I would say, and overwhelming and emotional. Um, at the beginning, when all the news surfaced, well, one, with the whole COVID-19 situation with work, it was very overwhelming and um, especially as being a new healthcare provider, I have only been, um, gosh, I was when it all started, maybe six or seven months into being mm-hmm. a new healthcare provider. So trying to just figure out, um, how to function in a pandemic when no one else has ever functioned in a pandemic, even as your met, as my medical mentors. So, um, what's right, what's wrong, how to provide the appropriate care, having access to the appropriate care, um, Am I, as a medical provider who is providing, doing testing, able to go around anybody else and having caring, I consist, I continue to carry guilt about being in public because of what I do. Um, and feeling like I can't, uh, shouldn't be around anybody because I don't want to harm anyone. And that's my first job, but also like it's really hard to not <laughs> have social interactions. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that. That has been interesting. And then trying to navigate that uh, mentally and emotionally, and then adding on top of that, these, uh, there are all these racial incidents and uh, the um, rising racial tension in our, in our world has, was at a, when it first all went down, um, almost like broke me. Um, lots of tears, lots of anger, lots of frustration, um, to, and I kind of vacillate between hope and hopelessness um, about it all, about COVID, about race, these racial issues. Uh, and so right now, just to be able to function, I've landed on um, kind of disengaging and not fun- and and not really dealing with it all because I'm 
right now carrying on my shoulders a lot of other people's um, anxiety and pain and frustrations and anger and um, trying to care for my patients. So it's just easier for me right now um, to just not deal with any of it, which is not healthy. Not saying this is a healthy thing. Right. Where I landed right now so that I'm not, I think it's the healthiest thing for me because I'm not. So then I don't fall into old patterns of trying to cope. Um, so it just keeps me functional at this current moment. Um, yeah. um, but yeah, so that's kind of where I am kind of back and forth. Things are going to be good. Things are going to be not the baseline, just like what's happening. Things are happening in this world. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's where I am. What about you, Melina? Um, I'm kind of, um, so I'm, I'm in healthcare as well. And I think COVID really, um, in the beginning was a little unsettling and now I'm kind of just dealing with what the new normal is. I think the hardest part in the beginning was, um, people, um, expect you to have more information than they do. And, you know, I think maybe for the first time, I'm not sure, but, um, we were kind of like all, you know, we we didn't know what was going on. Our information was all coming from the same place. The sources were exactly the same. So I didn't know more than my patients knew. And so that was a little frustrating because you can't really, you know, tell people what to do and and educate them on anything that they, they don't already know. And so that was a little frustrating, but, um, I think I've accepted that there's going to just be a new normal moving forward. So, you know, at first it was like, you know, a little overwhelming because you couldn't really escape all the information and you didn't know what to believe. Um, and now I think I've just, you know, not so much isolated myself, but keeping myself informed, but trying not to be like inundated by all the, all the news sources and you right. know, knowing when to like cut off, you know, the information, um, has really helped me. Um, I think with all the racial injustice that's been happening though, being in healthcare, it's, it, it's put me in a position where, um, I deal with racism on a almost day-to-day basis. And so, there are people that I have to care for who feel like what's going on is okay and that I need to be make you know, they need to make sure that they put me in my place. And, mm-hmm. um, so that's difficult because I think I've experienced it before, but not like, not like now. And, um, I think at least if not me, definitely one of my coworkers is experiencing some kind of racial slur while at work and it's people that we have to take care of. Mm -hmm. Um, so it's a little hard to do that when, you know, you have, um, a moral obligation and an ethical obligation to care for people, but it's, it's hurtful. I mean, you're, you're a person as well. So, Mm -hmm. um, I don't know. I mean, I, I think, you know, I get, I know that at the end of the day, I get to walk out of my job. Mm -hmm. Um, whereas a lot of the people that I'm caring for, um, are that, that is really uncertain for them. So I have a little bit of peace around that, not saying I'm better off, but I know that like at the end of the day, like I have a lot to be thankful for, regardless of what um, someone may think or say to me. Um, I can't let that bother me. So that's kind of where I'm at with yeah. all of this. Yeah. You talked about kind of monitoring your your news and media intake. Um, yeah, I have not. 
Um, and I think that has contributed to just my being overwhelmed. I think for me, there's like this pressure, like, I just want to know, like, what's, what's happening, you know? Um, and it's like on on all fronts, I want to know what's happening with the virus globally. I recognize that this is affecting more than just America. Um, Clearly, other people are handling it a lot better than than we are. <laughs> uh, yes, they but, are. You, you know, um, but yeah, like I, I want to know what's going on. Just the the numbers of of people dying, like that, makes me sad. I don't know any of these people personally, but that's still life loss. So I'm I'm wondering, you know, what is the latest information um with all these cases like so y'all gonna arrest these police officers or no um so <laughs> still no apparently still, um, still hanging out so so yeah it's it's a lot so i think that has also contributed to my state of being overwhelmed and i'm trying to like reel that in and find a balance between like stay informed but also stay sane mm-hmm. yeah do both it's really yeah. important yeah, absolutely. It's it's very easy to to um check out even just scroll on Instagram and it's it's COVID or race mm-hmm. relations, COVID or race relations, you know, Facebook, all of it. It doesn't really matter where you go. And those are those are the two hot um hot button topics and they're it's everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um and I think what I found so far is that it's just been what I'm kinda of trying personally to weed out is like the opinion. Versus mm-hmm. like fact, because yeah. I feel like I can go down these rabbit holes of people. And I also feel like it's really polarizing. So mm-hmm. I can find some really not nice things and some really bad inflammatory things. And then that makes me want to go down that rabbit hole of just like anger clicking. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I can find people who feel the way that I feel, but then that makes me go down anger clicking too. So mm-hmm. then it's just like, what are these, what are the facts that I can find? Who are the people mm-hmm. with the information with the, like, these are stats. I can, mm-hmm. that's where I, I, I've been trying to land more lately because yeah. it's really easy. I anger click. So yeah, <laughs> it's, <laughs> like, yeah. it's a lot. It's definitely a lot. I feel like, well, not I feel like, but I, one thing that I've noticed is, kind of in response to um, the recent racial injustice, at least in my lifetime, this is the first time that I have seen so many faith leaders actually speak out and like, hey, racism is wrong Um, (laughs) from the pulpit. I think like, you know, we like to assume like because you believe in God, like you believe that this is wrong, Um, but actually from your platform, you know, speaking against it, that. Other than I think the first time I might have heard it was when the the Charleston church massacre happened, and still that was only what like maybe five years ago. Not um, even it was not it even was like actually three. It happened three. in two thousand seventeen. Okay, yeah, so three, three no ago? sixteen, sixteen, sixteen. Okay, yeah, sixteen. Yes, mm-hmm. sixteen. So yeah, so that was the ago. first time I had heard anybody from the pulpit, um, and I was like, oh, well, this is refreshing, um, but. Now it seems like everybody's like, okay, like this is enough. Um, so I'm just wondering, what are, what are y'all thoughts? What are y'all's thoughts about, you know, this just like outpouring of, hey, no, this is not okay. I think it's, I'm, I think that it's a conversation that needs to continue to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I think 
a lot of um, things happened for for the African American community because we did have church leaders who were um, taking a stand, and they may not they 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 had some kind of spiritual influence, and you know you had Malcolm X during the civil rights who was you know Muslim, but you also had um, Martin Luther King. And so there was, there were spiritual leaders who were taking a stand against like racism and, and, and civil injustice. And I think it's about time that we have this, we continue to have this conversation and we talk about it, you know, whether you're coming with no information or you have all the information because you, you've experienced it because you are a black um, pastor or preacher, there needs to have a conversation. And I think we need to see more unity in the church. Um, with white and black churches and not ostracize, not ostracize and, and, and point the finger and say, you know, you don't know anything. We, we need to explore that. We need to talk about why they don't know anything. We need to educate those pastors because, um, if you're going to lead the masses, it's going to look different. It's not going to be all black or all white. And so, um, but I think it's a conversation that needs to continue to happen. Yeah. What do you think, Jasmine? That's fair. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I was, um, honestly, after the, uh, George Floyd thing, our, our thing, it's not a thing. I'm sorry. Oh, my poor words. Murder. Um, I was very dis- disheartened and honestly, um, concerned that, uh, no one was going to say anything in the mm-hmm. church and that it was going to be glossed over. And I was very, honestly pessimistic that I was going to have to take a break from what I call organized prayer uh, or institutionalized prayer. Um, Mm -hmm. Because obviously this, that would have been for me obvious, like a a firm, firm confirmation that this organized prayer does not care about me as a black woman. So, um, so once that Sunday happened, Sunday rolled around and I saw church leaders from their pulpit, pulpit, um, having these conversations. And then it continued on with lots of videos, um, black pastors and white pastors and, um, all different, you know, ethnicities and, um, female, male, just engaging in these conversations. And not only what I appreciate it was not only white pastors trying to seek information, mm-hmm. um, but also just being starting to do this self-reflection of like, wow, how much I failed mm-hmm. my community, my, my, my brethren, my brothers and sisters of the faith. Like I failed. Mm-hmm. And for yeah. me, that was, that is big because like you said, I've, I haven't heard anything since the Charleston shooting. And I was just, I was, I'm grateful. Yeah. And I am, I'm cautiously optimistic that yeah. this is something that will continue. And, um, I think a lot of it is about, um, you know, making sure that actions follow words. And I think a lot of it too is like, how do I want to see the church held, not to say how accountable, but how do I want to see the church make moving change? Forward, yeah. Yeah, yeah, moving forward, you know? So do you guys have any ideas of like, yeah. What conversations or what actions that you would like to see your church or your pastors or the community? Uh, I think, um, Erica, did you have something to say? Go for it. 
Um, so I think like you, you kind of touched on it, like leadership, um, incorporating those people who don't look like you in your leadership and just making sure that you have a diverse staff, I definitely think is helpful because if you're open to it, you will get to learn. You will get to learn from those people if you, if that's truly diversity. Yeah. Yeah, no, but diverse staff in a diverse church, or are you talking about diversity in predominantly black churches and predominantly white right. churches? Both. Diversity both. Mean? both. In both, in both churches, because I think, um, I think that there is a lack of diversity in, in black churches. And I think that there's a lack of diversity in white churches when it comes to leadership. And so if you are going to be a person of faith and a man or a woman of faith and you're trying to do um, you know, you're trying to preach the gospel and um, do God's work. You have to look at everybody the same. And so you have to have people around you to educate you on that person's culture or that person's um, maybe the way they grew up or what is normal to them. You just have to, you just have to surround yourself with that. And I think, I think moving forward, that would be something that I would, I'll be looking for because I, you know, if everybody in your staff looks like you, it's going to be very hard for you to relate to someone who does not look like you. If you're constantly surrounded if um, by people who just look, eat, sleep, drink, everything is just you. They mirror exactly your lifestyle. Then how are you supposed to, you know, how are you supposed to talk to someone who did not grow up that way? It's just, it's going to be very hard to connect with those people. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely see that. I think, at the root of it, though, the the American church has to confront its history and um, active support and complicity in racism in the United States. And like, I'll be honest, I don't even know. <laughs> There's a lot of things <laughs> that I've been like learning over these past few weeks that I just had no idea. Like I knew that, you know, the KKK, KK, um they, the people that identified as Christians, I was aware of that. I was aware of that slave owners used the Bible as a as a means to as a means of control. I was aware of that, but I think not to the level that like the reason why like certain like church denominations split were over slavery. Like they had it in like their bylaws, and this was like actual debates, um, and just kind of the the twisting yeah. of the scriptures and kind of to your point. So I don't know how I feel about necessarily, at least right now, um, that there shouldn't be like black churches. Cause I think that's a safe space for, for black people right now, just because of all the turmoil, I don't necessarily think do away with the black church. Everybody needs to. Oh yeah. Right yeah. now. But I, I think it's also important to, to say like, there would be no black church if the white people at the time would have allowed the black people to worship oh, yeah. with them. Yeah, absolutely. so there's that. So people who have this like, well, why do, why do y'all feel like you need to separate yourselves? Because you separated us. Right. <laughs> so let's, oh, let's, also, you let's decided to baptize us, but then make sure to change in your laws that any Christian before it was any Christian was free. If you yes. made sure it was once you if you're a slave and still baptized, it don't matter. It doesn't yes. matter. Yep. Yeah. So <laughs> Jasmine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Jasmine's referencing a a law that was in Virginia. So this was pre the 
the Declaration of Independence. So there was no mm-hmm. United States, um, but there was a law on the books in Virginia that said because the the Christian missionaries were going out and you know preaching the gospel to um, enslaved Africans, and there was of course as it should be that cognitive dissonance, like hey, we're preaching who the sun says free is free indeed, yet we have these people in bondage. What what is happening? So in order to kind of get around that, it's like, okay, so make yes. themselves feel better. Yeah. So yes, your soul is free. So like when you die, you go to heaven. But for right now, in the here now on earth, you still belong to us. Yeah. Um so it's like you have to as the American church, like I think no matter what denomination, whether black church, white church, um, Native American, Latinx, you have to confront the the history of the church in the United States because church and faith looks very different, mm-hmm. not from a Western context. So we have to deal with this this Westernized Christianity um, and the mess that we have made of that. There are a lot of pastors who, even before now, have been preaching racial reconciliation, but like you can't have reconciliation without recognition. And I think we are now kind of as as a church community starting to get to that recognition, like, hey, actually, even in my silence, I've contributed to this problem. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I, I, um there was something I heard that said reconciliation doesn't really exist because um it's more so like a restoration. Like mm-hmm. you can't we we were never reconciled to like yeah. be reconciled. Like right. we, you know, we if racism didn't exist, we would not have a black church. We yeah. wouldn't have predominantly black churches. Um so right. I, you know, recognizing the wrongs um and then trying to restore um something I think is what needs to start mm-hmm. happening. And it's okay, we're gonna step on some toes, but um we'll pray for those people. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I heard yeah. it say that it's a it's a faith problem. Mm-hmm. that you know this is all faith problem it's a heart problem yeah. um and that takes time and that is a definitely a work in progress and there's no going to be no such thing as perfection but right. um, I think just like our faith walk it's um all about being a work in progress and mm-hmm. striving to um learn more about how we can be more like Jesus in that moment um in mm-hmm. each moment and every moment and not saying color doesn't exist or race isn't a, our country was completely founded on the social construct of race. That was mm-hmm. very important. So it's not going to go away. Um, and when I see you see someone that doesn't look like me and it's okay to be like, you don't look like me, my mind's going to automatically do that. But I think it's, um, it's just about, yeah. Like just continuing to be like, how, how does Jesus love? How, am I supposed to be um, operating in this in every moment um, yeah. and doing that hard work? And I think a lot of it is the fact that it was easier to, it's easier to not do that work. Um, yeah. You know, so now that it's just in the forefront, I'm, I'm really trying to remain hopeful that the work isn't going to be thrown to the wayside and it's going to continue to be one step forward. Yeah. Yeah. So John thirteen thirty four through 35 says, 
I give you a new commandment that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also should love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. And I think, I mean, that is pretty much the thesis statement of what I feel like the, the church as in as institutions, so the individual churches, the American church, and um, those of us who claim the name of Christ, like that is that is what we should be doing and realizing that all of us, we humanity, not just Christians, but humanity was created in the image of God. So being conscious of how you are treating or allowing um, someone to be treated who is an image bearer of Christ. Um, like if we could get there, you know, I feel like we might be on our way. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. And another one I'd like to add to that too, um, Erica is Galatians 5, 13, um, 14. You, my brothers and sisters were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge in the flesh, but rather serve one another humbly in love for the entire law is fulfilled by keeping this command. Love your neighbor as yourself. Yeah. You're not going to put your knee on, on your neck. You're not going to want someone to do that to you. So right. let's make sure we don't do that to others. Yeah. Yeah. I think at the end of the day, like one thing for me that church shifting to the online virtual space has reinforced um, that one, one minister said in a recent message that we can have church in a building, but we can only be the church in the world. So church, although we're not allowed in the buildings, well, I am not going in a, in a building. I'm not going. Nowhere. Some people are. That is just not my choice. Um, <laughs> but regardless, whether you're in a building or not, if you are are not taking the Jesus that you worship in the building out to the people, then then there's an issue. You're just you're just it's a club. You are in a club. You are in a Jesus club. Yeah. <laughs> you are in a Jesus student org. That is what it is. <laughs> Oh, y'all meet on Sunday at nine thirty. Right, y'all got y'all got dues. <laughs> <laughs> we get teach, we get free, we get swag too. Oh yeah, right. that I'm is going, what you're I'm doing. I'm going to that club. <laughs> <laughs> that is so funny. Uh, oh my God. <laughs> that is really true, though. Oh man, that was the best. <laughs> yeah. So I guess to kind of close out this conversation, what is what is hope look like moving forward for you all how are you all because this is listen it's rough on all fronts it's it's rough so how are you holding on to to hope so for me my um anchor scripture i guess i know i'm no pasta but this is the scripture i've been going through <laughs> to um all the quarantine and one of my uh good friends actually gave it to me to like marinate over is uh, Psalm 91. Mm -hmm. And it just really talks about Jesus being our refuge and how he like sees us and hears us and camps his angels around us and um, that he sees me and loves me and um, I'm safe. Mm -hmm. So um, no, I can be, I can find rest. So I try to remember that I can find rest because he loves me. I am safe because he loves me. And he sees the needs that concern. He sees what concerns me and those things concern him. And since this is something that I can't, um, I can't conquer on my own. And I can't, you know, that, um, just that he trying to remember that he, I am in this time for a very specific, specific mm-hmm. reason. 
-hmm. and that I have been created for this time, space, place for a specific reason. Mm -hmm. And I have to just remind myself that like, I'm, I'm God's tool. I'm God's vessel. And so, and I'm responsible for my sphere of influence Mm -hmm. and make sure that I am being his light, like how being his light, being his light. But really, I'm honestly just being the hope of having these conversations, continuing to hear these conversations, mm-hmm. being, um, trying to be centered enough to be able to have those conversations with others that don't look like me, that are honestly curious, um, and try coming from a spirit of learning and those who are not so curious, but are ignorant mm-hmm. and need to get some information, some, you know, some truth. Um, but trying to remember that this is not my fight. Right. This is the Lord's fight that I get to, but, but I can just play, if I play my part and play it well, the victory is going to come. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What about you, Melina? I think um, for me, um, I tend to worry I tend to worry about everything. And so a scripture I always go back to is um, uh, Matthew 6, 34, that says, do not worry about tomorrow because tomorrow has enough worries. If today has enough, I think it's today. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Mm-hmm. And so that just kind of helps me get back to reality and um, not worry about my brother and how he may get looked at or my future kids and what conversations I'm going to have to continue um, to have with them in the future or what may come of the virus and what are the long-term effects of it. And just kind of like worrying about things that are not presented to me right now. So mm-hmm. for me, just staying in the moment and um, being as present as possible has kind of been my hope. I don't know what tomorrow is going to bring. And so I just have to focus on the here and now and get, get through that day. And then, you know, when I I'll cross that bridge, when it gets here and I'll just, you know, remain faithful and pray and, um, and just trust God because he's the only one who knows how all of this is going to end. And so me worrying is just really just depleting all of my, um, my strengths. There was a saying, um, worrying only empties today and not tomorrow. So I don't want to be walking around drained and not able to able to even be present for tomorrow. So that's, that's my good. hope. That's mm-hmm. good. Yeah. I think that I have been encouraged just by just so many people around me and just so many different um spheres of influence and just kind of everybody doing their part, whether it's folks like you all who are healthcare workers who, you know, are going out there and caring for for people, no matter what mess they may bring to you. All the mess, honey. All, <laughs> all the mess. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Like the parents that are, are home that have now, in addition to like their own jobs, have now become teachers to their children. Mm-hmm. Um, the the formal teachers who, you know even though they might be getting sent back into who knows what are, right. you know, still doing what they can and even doing above and beyond to support, support their students. Um, and just even just everyday interactions of just like, I see you and just an acknowledgement. I see you. How are you? How is your day? Um, just little things like that. Just the, the good parts of humanity. 
um, have been encouraging to me and also reminding myself that um, I didn't expect any of this and I don't think anybody did. Um, no. But reminding myself that God knew this was going to happen um, and he knows how he's going to work all of it out. Mm-hmm. So learning how to not saying that I'm I'm never going to be anxious because I'm just kind of the anxious type. But in the midst of my, my anxiety, in the midst of the storm, knowing that he is still there, he has not forgotten about me. He has not forgotten about um, the plight of my, my people, meaning the black community. Even though, listen, it's bleak. And I'd be like, bruh, where are you at? <laughs> like, really? Don't you bruh. <laughs> Um, but not always understanding, but still knowing that it's, it's not up to me to, to understand that he still has everything control, even when, when I can't see it, um, and having faith in that, um, and keeping my eyes on that instead of being distracted by the circumstances, um, which are very, very distracting. So yeah, I'm trying to, to hold on to that. That's good. That's really good. Thanks for chatting with me, y'all. Thanks for chatting with us. Thanks for the role. Thanks for listening to us. (laughs) 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 So, yeah, that was us a year ago. And I think hearing that back, I can kind of like remember my state of mind during that time. It was, I remember being just super, super overwhelmed by everything that was happening. Um, But also the response from the church was very, very encouraging. I remember just diving down the the rabbit hole, seeing who's saying what. Um, So it was, it was nice to hear that back, that, you know, youthful optimism that I had (laughs) (laughs) youthful I like that word youthful optimism um yeah what about y'all yeah I feel like it was so fresh that yeah nothing it was still at least for me too soon to sink in Mm -hmm. so yeah like our youthful optimism was I feel like the best dance to take because otherwise like crumple like I could have like withered like a little flower yeah um and crumple crumbled under the weight but but yeah um I it was I appreciate the optimistic tone that was had realistic (laughs) but optimistic I guess you know yeah yeah (laughs) hopeful yeah there was a lot of hope yes we did have hope (laughs) what about you Melina I think, yeah, I think we were trying to figure things out. Um, I felt like I wasn't, um, like I didn't feel left out. You know how like you, you, because I remember just going to work, coming home and, you know, working these crazy hours. And I remember just being like, okay, well, it's just not me. (laughs) Mm -hmm. You know, we're all alone. We're all in this together. Everybody's kind of in the same space. Um, And I don't know if, I, I guess I was hopeful. Like I knew things would get back to normal, but I honestly didn't know when. So, you know, I don't think I expected us to be here a year later. Um, mm-hmm. 
it could have lasted longer. Yeah. We were kind of at the mercy of, um, of how things played out. So, yeah. Yeah. And I think that you brought up Jasmine, like the sense of unity that was kind of had amongst like everybody, like everybody was all going through COVID together. It seemed like for the most part, everybody was like, yeah, racism bad. Mm -hmm. Um, which is interesting and we'll get to this next episode, but I don't, I don't feel that anymore about either of the things. Things have set in. <laughs> it's not fresh anymore. <laughs> yeah, it's it's so Fail. weird how that happens. Yes. But yeah, so hopefully y'all enjoyed our thoughts. You got to come back next week to hear what we think now. Because listen, it's been a whole lot that has happened so many feelings <laughs> so much this happened and we just we just have to talk about it we just it has to happen um so yes come back next week but until then thank you for tuning in to another episode of church days you can follow us on facebook twitter and instagram at church days leave us a comment and let us know what you thought of this episode you can share rate review and subscribe on itunes or wherever you get your podcasts Special shout out to Caroline, our production assistant, and we will catch y'all next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.